Hello and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod rating all the founding fathers of the U.S. from a- Andrew Adams to George With. You forgot his name there, was it? I almost did. I'm Cody. I'm Stephen. And today we are continuing our journey where we rate the founding fathers. Uh, today's father is Gunning Bedford. Gunning. That's a good one. That's a good name. Yeah, it's a unique, well, not so unique name, but it's a different name. Yeah, I would say it's pretty unique. I mean, uh, I, well, I, I don't well, know any I'll, other I'm going to disprove that immediately. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 Fine. Right. So, so yeah, so uh, Gunning Bedford, born April 13th, 1747 in Philadelphia, the son of Gunning and Susanna Bedford. Oh, <laughs> his father was, so he's a junior? He's a junior, and he also made sure to go by junior during his lifetime because he also had a cousin also named Gunning Bedford. It must have been popular back then. Who went by Gunning Bedford Sr., even though he's only like five years older than the one we're talking about. Weird. Okay. That's yeah, weird. it's weird, but I guess it's just a way to distinguish them from one another. So um, I noticed we we don't really talk much about like their nationalities. Is all these guys from like descended from England, or are they... Um... I mean, you probably don't know that, but mostly, that, yeah, mostly. I mean, like Dutch. descent? It hasn't come or? up. There's a guy coming up soon who, who is of Dutch descent. I know for sure. Yeah, French. Because um, I was just wondering. And we have, where some and we have a guy coming up soon who was born in Ireland. Oh, there you go. Um, I was just wondering where some of these names come from. Uh, yeah, I, mean? um, I didn't see anything about beyond like what his ancestry was. So that's fair. Um, kind of his early life, but not much about. Um, but we know that his family was wealthy. Okay. So, um, could have been Dutch. He graduated from Princeton in 1771. Ooh. Uh he was the roommate of James Madison while he was there. I don't know who that is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're looking at me like you're going to stab me. No, I might do that anyway. Um <laughs> So yeah, so him and James Madison were roommates. You know, they got some high drinks together. Uh he was admitted to the bar and began practicing law. Shocker. Under Joseph Reed. No way. He practiced law? Yeah. This got to be like, this is like our first lawyer. I know. It's like, it's like, he might be the only lawyer who's signing it. No. Yeah. And one of the blue million lawyers who had a hand in these documents. Uh, uh, He was practicing law under Joseph Reed. Mm -hmm. Put a box around him because he will be getting an episode later, much later down the line. Oh, yeah. Ours. Yeah. Um, In Philadelphia, but he later moved to Wilmington, Delaware. So this is our second straight Delawarean. Ooh. Uh, he married Jane Parker in early 1772 or, uh, or, or late 1772 or early 1773. We don't really know when exactly. Okay. But he would have five children with her. Did, did she have a first name called, was it Mary? Was it Mary Jane Parker? <laughs> <laughs> Mary, no, no. Uh, Unfortunately, no. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, he served in the Continental Army in 1775 and 76 and was responsible for mustering troops. So he's the guy responsible for getting all the troops in an area together and mm-hmm. say, hey, go fight. Hey, we need to need you to go fight now. Yeah, the the recruiter, I guess you could say. Sure. Uh, he's a delegate to Congress in the mid-1780s at the same time as he's Attorney General of Delaware. Uh, he attended the Constitutional Convention in 1787 and signed the Constitution. Noise. Uh, he was appointed by President Washington as the first judge for the District Court of Delaware in September 1789. Okay. A post in which he would serve until his death on March 30th, 1812, in Wilmington, age 64. Mm, nice. So he's he's in that post for over 20 years. Dang. Uh, as a, as hey, a district judge. I mean, when, when 
George Washington tells you to do something, you do it, and you yeah, do it especially well. Especially, it's like you know, <laughs> granted, he probably he's not going to know every single person from all the states, but you know, you're one of the guys he picks first to do something. That's pretty. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, you're. I want you as the top judge in Delaware. He must have had something going on. So, for yeah. Him. So, uh, but yeah, that's kind of short biography. Not much to it. Sure. So. Uh, Dive right into it. Perpetual Union. How influential were they on the actual crafting of the documents? A little bit more than last week, thank God. Because last week's guy was uh, Bassett, or last time's guy. I want to say last week. (laughs) I always do that. Uh, All right. Last episode's guy, Bassett, he just remember, he just kind of sat there at the concert. The convention did nothing. Oh, yeah. Um, Bedford, not so. Uh, as a delegate from Delaware, his top priority was that small states would not be overwhelmed by the larger states. Okay, yeah. Um, so, like, you know, Delaware, Rhode Island, uh, Maine, can, uh, New Hampshire. Well, Maine. It's like, you know, they don't want to get bullied out of it by, like, Pennsylvania or New York or Virginia. The big one, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bedford stated that if the rights of the small states would not be respected, then they, quote, would find some foreign ally of more honor and good faith who will take them by the hand and do them justice, end quote. So basically he's threatening, but like, hey, if you don't listen to us, we'll walk. And we'll go talk to, like, Britain or France or Spain or somebody. That's pretty bold. It is bold. Um, You know, it didn't go over too well. I was about to say, because, I mean, later, later, they were going to be like, Rhode Island, you're not going to ratify this thing? We're just going to kick you out. (laughs) So, like, I don't know if that, I mean, maybe it worked. I don't know. Keep, I guess, keep Um, going. He was described as, quote, bold, with a very commanding and striking manner, but warm and impetuous in his temper and precipitate in his judgment, end quote. Oh. So basically, he just gets, he gets, he's like, he's loud, Mm. he gets his point across, but he just lets his temper get the better of him. Yeah, so 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 that previous comment, probably just heated argument over something. Yeah, he was probably just being loud, but he he was, he was articulate. Yeah. While initially a staunch supporter of the New Jersey plan, which we'll talk about later, there's one specific founding father who kind of put it forward. We'll, we'll talk about more about it when he, we get to him. <coughs> um, New Jersey plan, uh, which would retain a, a unicameral Congress, so kind of like it had been up to that point, with equal representation. That's what uh, Bedford initially supports. Um, but he would eventually back the Connecticut Compromise, which kind of had like, okay, well, the upper house will be equal representation. The smaller house will be by population, which is kind of what we ended up with. So, okay. uh, He called for strong limitations on the executive and the judiciary. He was just too afraid. He was afraid of a tyrannical government. Yeah. Uh, and he was a participant in Delaware's ratification convention. Okay. So, uh, that's why I got for perpetual union. So not bad. Yeah, nothing. that's like he's not suggesting like specific things to do, but he's like he's making his stance known. Right, he's, he, and he's fighting for like Delaware's, you know, uh, standing in the country. Be like, okay, well, we're a small state. We need to like you know be forceful with our convictions here, not just let the big states just kind of roll over us. Sure. Well, this kind of makes sense. Why maybe why Bassett kind of took a back seat. If he was also a representative of Delaware, and this guy was doing all the talking, he was just a better talker, you know That's what I possible. mean? That's possible, yeah. I, I couldn't find any 
proof of that specifically. But right, I mean, but I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, yeah. I'm just... Um, We're not going back and giving him more points. Not, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, it starts to make a little more sense when you get more information. Yeah. So what do you want to give him for Perpetual Union? Okay, um... I'm going to give him... I think I'm going to give him... That's pretty good. He spoke his mind. I like that. I'm going to give him a five. A five. I give him a four. Because there wasn't like any specific policies he proposed, but but yeah, I mean it's not like he's. I mean p- specific policies and stuff. That's gonna punch him up to like sevens and eights for me. So <laughs> yeah, so but it's like I don't want to be. Yeah, maybe we've, we've established I'm a little more conservative with my point that's giving fine. than you are. But, that's fine. That's fine. I mean that's just still. I mean so that's still that's you know about middle of the road. Yeah, uh, five and a four. That's a nine yeah. for a perpetual union. We the people. What was their legacy outside the founding documents? Well, as I mentioned, he was responsible for mustering troops to the Continental Army early on in the conflict. He didn't see any battle himself, but, you know, getting the troops together, you know, that's important. Uh, Served in various roles uh, in government in the 1780s. uh, Delegate to Congress, Delaware Attorney General, uh, member of the Delaware Senate, um... And then, as I mentioned, he was a judge. He was the first judge for the District Court of Delaware from 1789 to 1812. That's a heck of a long time. Uh, it is. I mean, it spans four presidencies. Um, I couldn't find any judicial decisions. Um, right. And I searched, like, e- even this the website for the District Court of Delaware only has uh, stuff available on the website back to 2003. No, what? <laughs> so, yeah, which is like... I'm sure there's like decisions in some law book somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. There's gotta I don't have be access right? to it. Right, there's gotta be. It's just yeah. probably just like simple stuff that's not yeah. like super big important things. Although either. being there that long, it's like I feel like there probably may have been like at least a couple things of importance. Had have been, right? Yeah, but but also it's like at the beginning of a nation too, like there yeah. had have been something. That's why it's like just just every book every page of every book should just be digitized. Please, and easily searchable. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, he was a presidential elector for George Washington in 1789 and 1793, so he was a part of the Electoral College hmm. that actually formally submitted the vote for George Washington. Jeez, okay, that's big. Uh, he worked for the improvement of education in Wilmington, Delaware, and he supported the abolition of slavery in Delaware. Well, that's which, big. Again, He's was a slave state all the way up through the Civil War. That's right. Yeah, he said they said that on with uh, Bassett. Yeah, and he did not own slaves himself. No. Okay. So this guy's all right. I'm liking him. Old Gunny. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, well, that's unfortunate. He was not a gunnery sergeant. <laughs> he was not the Arleigh Army of the Continental Army. <laughs> well, he might have been because he was mustering. Welcome to Mail Call. <laughs> Oh, God, I, I miss that. I miss that man. I miss that show. I yeah. love that show growing up. Yeah, I bet you did. That's like, that's like the golden age of the History Channel, not the schlock it has on there now. Yeah, well, he was also in um, the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre as Ser- Sheriff Hoyt. Yes, he was. And he was in a Full Metal Jacket. Uh-huh, yeah. And I feel like there's a few other... There's a few, like, out-there rules he was in, but I don't, I don't remember offhand. But anyway. Yeah. Well, Anyways, yeah. Back yeah. to... Yeah, so uh, what do you want to give old Gunny for We the People? I'm giving him a seven. You know, a seven? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see, let me mark that here. It was one of the, yeah, I mean, 
all the things you said, I was like, yep, that's good. That's good. That's all good. Yeah. Like it. Um, I'll go five. Five. Oh. Yeah. I mean, just middle of the road. It's like, I can't, it's like, I can't give him a six. It's like, I feel like six is too much for me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I will. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go five and a half. Five and a half. Five and is a that half. our first half point? No, oh. we've had a couple other before, but yeah. So, yeah, he's a. Uh, no, I I feel like that's quite a quite a bit of good stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, for a seven for me, I mean, because you know, ten's like perfect. So, I yeah. don't know who's gonna get a ten, but we'll see. I guess. So seven and a five and a half. That is a twelve and a half for We the People. Next category: articles of impeachment. Oh, how scandalous were Ooh. they? Ooh, I got nothing. <laughs> I couldn't find a lick of scandal around this guy. Well, that could be good and bad. It's bad because there's nothing to talk about, but it's also good because he, you know, he didn't own slaves. Yeah. He was an abolished, abolished mint, mint, mint man. Abolitionist. That one. Yeah. He was that. So that's good. Yeah. It's just, I mean, he got mad during the convention. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, not, that's like nothing. That's nothing. Yeah. yeah so they I mean, all got mad at some point. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's, it's got to be a. Zero. Yeah. Big old goose egg. So zero to zero. Zero for. <laughs> Articles of impeachment. Okay, now your favorite. Yay. The whites of their eyes. Finally. What they look like. It takes so long to get here. Uh, this is a portrait by Charles Wilson Peale, who's one of the better artists of the period from 1790. Mm-hmm. There is Gunning Bedford. Ooh. A little portly, too, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, he's this. wealthy, so. That's true, yeah. Nice brown velvet jacket with a black velvet, probably. Vests got a little uh, floofy coming out there for the tie. It's in color. That's good. It's very well done. It's like I feel like I'm staring at the dude sitting no, across I mean, the room. Like I said, Peel was one of the Charles Wilson Peel. He was one of the best of the period. So oh, wow, yeah. And then uh, tell uh, John Trumbull. Yeah, you can tell this guy took his time. You can see like the rosier and his cheeks and stuff. Like, oh yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's very very good. Yeah. Again, not a lot of flash though. I'm, I'm looking for flash. Yeah, it, so it's, out of five, it's, it's kind of austere. Yeah. Out of five, I'm going to give that one three and a half. Three and a half. Out of three. Yeah. So a little, a little better than middle of the road. Um, yeah, it is just like it, it, it's definitely just it, it's a it's a nice portrait. Yeah, there's no background. Yeah, it. it it kind of just uh, blend in with a bunch of other portraits, right? Like well, I mean, would, it's very, very well done. Yeah, it's well done, but it like, would stick not, out in that sense. But you're not gonna be able to pick them out of a lineup. No, no. no. I mean, it, it's gonna be hard to pick out a lot of these guys in the lineup. He looks a lot like some of the other dudes that we already saw. Yeah. So the three and a half and a three for the whites. That's a six and a half for the whites of their eyes. Ooh, that's pretty dang good. Bonus round. How many documents did he sign? Just the one. Just one. Just the uh, Constitution. That's one bonus point. That's a pretty good one, though. So, Gunning Bedford has a total of 29. 29. Not terribly great. Not that terribly had a bad. 74. Well, so. Yeah. 
But also, there's a guy that got seven. So yeah. Well, so so twenty nine. But it's not the only thing we do. Hmm. Got to ask the question. Uh oh. Is Gunning Bedford Gunning a founding father uh, or a floundering father? Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna go with founding father on this one. Founding father. Yeah, because. You know, he did a lot of decent stuff. He spoke up during the thing. He was the one that was uh yeah, doing all the speaking. So, I'm going to give him a I'm going to give him a founding on this one. No weird things with like slavery or anything like that. Yeah. Too, so. And he must have been doing something I'm, right uh, to be appointed by George Washington and to stick around for that long. 20 Cuz especially like early on judgeships were like uh, not you didn't have a lot to do. Right. Especially Supreme Court. Like, the Supreme Court, for the first, like, ten years of existence, held, heard, like, a dozen cases. Wow. Yeah. So it just wasn't... Didn't do much. Yeah, the state courts were much more uh, predominant. Um, that's why we had, like... I, seriously, like, of the, like... How many people have done? Like, ten people we've talked about, like, four of them were chief justices of their state at some point. All right. And there's more coming. Um... <laughs> I'll say yeah, yeah. I'll I'll I'll, I'll agree with you. Founding. We won't have to go to the our special coin that we have here. <laughs> uh, yes, our special 1976 bicentennial quarter uh, that I've purloined for our purposes. Bicentennial means a hundred. Centennial means one hundred. <laughs> bicentennial means two hundred. I need that. <laughs> 200. Yeah. If it was an 1876 quarter, it wouldn't be here. It'd be <laughs> being sold somewhere. Uh, sold a coin collector. I can tell you that right now. But, um, so yeah, Gunning Bedford, you are a founding father. You get, um, I don't know. There's a Blue Moon Memorials in D.C. Uh, you, you get a, tell you what, you get a special bar named after you. Where only uh, gunnery sergeants can go. <laughs> like Gunny's Bar or something. <laughs> Gunny's Bar. Come go. on down. There you go. Only gunnery sergeants only. The very specific bar. <laughs> so. But, uh, but you know, this is kind of a, again, a bit of a shorter episode. So I'll, like I did last week where I explained the Constitution, the preamble, that kind of stuff. Give a little explainer on... Article 1. Article 1. Yes, Article 1 of the Constitution. Get ready to fall asleep. I'm ready. Yep. Because take you back to your high school civics class. Uh, The longest article of the Constitution. Uh Uh-huh. Article 1 defines the legislative branch of federal government. Oh, boy. Here we go. Divided into ten sections. Oh, boy. I'm ready. Section 1 just vests the legal authority in a bicameral Congress. It literally, all it says, quote, All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and the House of Representatives. End quote. <laughs> if the phrase taxation of trade routes is in here, I'm going to scream. Uh, it might. Well, I mean... Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> it might. Uh, section 2 simply sets up the House of Representatives. I'm not going to read it verbatim. Oh, uh, what? Is... Okay, that's fine. Do you want me to? I mean, if it takes 40 minutes, no. I'll read it quick. Okay. Quote, 
The House of Representatives shall be composed of members chosen every second year by the people of the several states, and the electors in each state shall have the qualifications requisite for electors in the most numerous branch of the state legislature. No person shall be a representative who shall not attain to the age of 25 years and been seven years a citizen of the United States, and who shall, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state in which he shall be chosen. Representatives and direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states, which may be included within this unit according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding the whole, to the whole number of free persons, including those bound to a service for a term of years, and excluding Indians not taxed three-fifths of all other persons. The actual enumeration shall be made within three years after the first meeting of the Congress of the United States and within every subsequent term of ten years in such manner they shall by law direct. The number of representatives shall not exceed one for every 30,000, but each state shall have at least one representative. And until such enumeration shall be made, this state of New Hampshire shall be entitled to choose three. Massachusetts, eight. Rhode Island and Province Plantations, one. Connecticut, five. New York, six. New Jersey, four. Pennsylvania, eight. Delaware, one. Maryland, six. Virginia, ten. North Carolina, five. South Carolina, five. Georgia, three. When vacancies happen, in the representation from any state, the executive authority thereof shall issue writs of election to fill such vacancies. The House of Representatives shall choose their speaker and other officers and shall have the sole power of impeachment, end quote. Gee, when he cripes. He did it. He did, That's he section did it. two of ten. <laughs> so basically just like saying, hey, representatives elected every two years. You have to be 25 years old. You have to have been, lived in the U.S. for 10 years. Um it's uh, uh, probably the most, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, state governments are responsible for filling vacancies, elections, that kind of stuff. The House shall be the one to impeach somebody, um, all that stuff. But probably the most controversial thing out of that, you ever heard of the three-fifths compromise? No, I've heard that, I've heard it said, but I don't know what it is. Basically, it's saying that enslaved people shall count in terms of the census as three-fifths of a person. That's weird. Why? It's, it's bracist. Um, bracist. Yeah, because it's... It, it, and the effects of the three-fifths compromise would be uh, felt much later. Because um, basically, it, it was a concession to the southern states. Mm. They would be like, okay, well, your slaves who will not have any sort of rights, mm-hmm. no right to vote, no right to be represented... Right. But they're still going to count as three-fifths of a person in the census. Okay. So a lot of these plant, like the planter class in the South, held much more political power than they normally would otherwise. Oh, I see. So they're getting more representatives in Congress. They get more votes in Electoral College because of this. Wow. Like the election of 1800, like where John Adams lost to Thomas Jefferson, if the three-fifths compromise had not been a thing, Adams would have won. Wow, really? Holy crap. So it literally affects who gets to lead the country. That's And if you think about dumb. it, how many slaveholders, like, because, like, our, our first, like, 15 presidents leading up to the Civil War, how many were slaveholders? Washington, Jefferson, Madison, Monroe, Jackson. Uh, Harrison wasn't when he was president, but uh, Polk, Taylor. Um, so, like, Jeez. seven out of the 15. So that's crazy. Yeah. From the South, which is like the voting population is much less than that's, what is in the North. That's crazy. But yeah. They get this extra because, because they were slave owners. Yeah. And, wow. now, and it's also just the fundamental wrongness of saying, okay, well you're a different skin color. You count three fifths of what I do. Right. You're not, you're not worth as much as me. Yeah. Exactly. So it's like, it is a horrible, horrible thing. And there is a particular delegate to the convention who suggested it, and we will talk about it more um, 
when we get to that delegate. Okay. So, so that's section two. Section three sets up the Senate. Oh. Quote, The Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state chosen by the legislature thereof for six years, and each senator shall have one vote. Immediately after they shall be assembled in consequence of the first election, they shall be divided as equally as may be into three classes. The seats of the senators of the first class shall be vacated at the expiration of the second year, of the second class at the expiration of the fourth year, and of the third class at the expiration of the sixth year, so that one third may be chosen every year, and if vacancies happen by resignation or otherwise during the recess of the legislature or of any state, the executive thereof may make... Temporary appointments until the next meeting of the legislature, which shall then fill such vacancies. No person shall be a senator who shall not have attained to the age of 30 years, been nine years a citizen of the United States, and who shall not, when elected, be an inhabitant of that state for which he shall be chosen. The vice president of the United States shall be president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless they be equally divided. The Senate shall choose their other officers, and also a president pro tempore, in the absence of the vice president, or when he shall exercise the office of president of the United States. The Senate shall have the sole power to trial impeachments. When sitting for that purpose, they shall be on oath or affirmation. When the President of the United States is tried, the Chief Justice shall preside, and no person shall be convicted without the concurrence of two-thirds of the members present. Judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy any office of honor, trust, or profit on the United States, but the party convicted shall be never, nevertheless be liable and subject to indictment, trial, judgment, and punishment according to the law. End quote. Dang. So Senate, elected every six years, which you may have noticed, chosen by the legislature. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not how they do it anymore. That was changed by the, I want to say the 16th Amendment. Okay. 16th or 17th Amendment during the 1910s. Oh, jeez, okay. It, it was changed to popular vote at that time. Okay. So the state legislature elected the senators. Wow, okay. So which, which is kind of odd. Yeah, yeah. But it was a way to like, because the Senate was supposed to be the more deliberative body, kind of like an upper crust type of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to insulate it more from the, the common rabble. Oh, wow. Who would vote for uh, the House, basically. I gotcha, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, just qualifications, like you have to be 30 years old, blah, blah, blah. Vice President is President of the Senate, tax tie-breaking vote. Senate tries impeachments, um, that type of thing. Which, you know, I mean, we're all probably a little bit more familiar with impeachments nowadays. Oh, yeah. So, Section 4 deals with election to Congress and the setting of sessions. Which isn't... Sessions aren't really that much of a thing anymore, um, but it's short. Quote, the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time, by law, make or alter such regulations, except as to the places of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December, unless they shall by law appoint a different day, end quote. Congress used to just meet from December to March. Okay. That's it. Okay. And nowadays it's like it's there pretty much year round. I mean, they take breaks, but mm-hmm. they're they're pretty much year round anymore. Right. Yeah. So because it's just kind of the nature of how it was back then. Okay. Yeah. Travel was much more difficult. Communication was more difficult. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So. It's just like we're just getting together just for a couple to months for four months. Yeah. And then go back home. Right. For yeah. The rest of the year. Well, a lot of them had other things. They had, you know, farms and stuff they had to take care of. Yeah, so Section 5 lays out the ever-exciting congressional procedures. Dun-dun-dun. Wow, this is going to be a wild ride. Buckle in. Strap in and strap on. (laughs) 
Quote, each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members, and majority shall each constitute a quorum and to do business, but a smaller number may adjourn from day to day and may be authorized to compel the attendance of absent members in such manner and under such penalties as each house may provide. Each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and with a concurrence of two-thirds expel a member. Each house shall keep a journal of its proceedings and from time to time publish the same, accepting such parts as may in their judgment require secrecy, and the yeas and nays of the members of either house on any question shall, at the desire of one-fifth of those present, be entered on the journal. Neither house during the session of Congress shall, without the consent of the other, adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than that in which the two houses shall be sitting, end quote. Oh, man, that was so exciting. Whoa. I'm sweating from excitement. What happened? (laughs) Basically, it's like, okay, well, we need a quorum to do business. We have to have a journal. We can't uh, adjourn for more than three days. Um, And we can expel our own members, which... Keep that in mind, because mm. there's an episode coming up mm. about somebody who gets expelled. Ooh. A little teaser for you. Mm. So he'll he'll be getting some points and articles of impeachment. Ooh. So, just, I'm not going to say who. But don't tell me who. No. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Section 6 describes the compensation and privileges for being a member of Congress. Oh. Our favorite. Yeah. Compensation. Just love them. Love to think about Congress members getting paid, don't you? I love it, yeah. Love it. Yep. Quote, the senators and representatives shall receive a compensation for their services to be ascertained by law and paid out of the Treasury of the United States. They shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same. And for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. No senator or representative shall, during the time for which he was elected, be appointed to any civil office under the authority of the United States which shall have been created, or the emoluments whereof shall have been increased during such time, and no person holding any office on the United States shall be a member of either house during his continuance in office. End quote. They get paid. Lord. <laughs> paid! Paid! <laughs> they get paid. They can't be arrested for what they say on the floor of the house. All right. Uh... They can't be arrested to keep them from going to the house. To, to the house. Uh-huh. Um, for some reason, I was thinking was they they can't be arrested at all. No, no, they can except be for like treason and stuff. No, they can be arrested. Um, and the only one who can't be is the pres- sitting president. That's so stupid. It's kind of because, like, okay, well, the executive authority is vested in this person. Hmm. And the execution of justice is an executive power, mm-hmm. so it would be like arresting himself. Yeah, but what if he murders or commits treason? They could, they could well, well he'd be, he could be impeached. He would be impeached at that point. Yeah, but we and know then, how impeachment works. Well, yeah, I know, but um, if he shot a guy in the middle of Fifth Avenue, for example, right? They might impeach. They, you know, they would impeach him, and then he could be arrested after an impeachment. Yes. Because he'd be like if he's removed from office, he doesn't have that immunity. Yeah, anymore. that well, being removed and being impeached are two different well, things. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, uh, my mistake. But yeah, like if he's removed, right, then yeah, he can be arrested. Okay. So okay, but if what if he just got impeached and not removed, then he would just not get arrested for murder. I guess maybe uh, after once his, his term, term expired. Yeah, much his term. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I mean, like we see, like Trump is being 
indicted for stuff that he did while he was president, so... That's true, yeah, good point. But they couldn't do that while he was in there. Right. So... Uh, and also, if you're a member of the Congress, you can't have another... Like, you can't be the governor of Ohio at the same time as you're a senator. Right, so. of course. Section 7 covers how bills can be introduced and passed. So, if you remember Schoolhouse Rock, oh. I'm just a bill. I'm just a bill. Roll up on Capitol. I literally have a shirt for that. Because <laughs> you're a nerd. <laughs> I am. Quote, all bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. Every bill which shall have passed the House of Representatives and the Senate shall, before it became a law, be presented to the President of the United States. If he approves it, he shall sign it. But if not, he shall return it with his objections to that house in which it shall have originated, who shall enter the objections at large on their journal and proceed to reconsider it. If after such reconsideration, two-thirds of that house shall agree to pass the bill, it shall be sent together with the objections to the other house by which it shall likewise be reconsidered, and if approved by two-thirds of that house, it shall become a law. But in all such cases, the, vo the votes of both houses shall be determined by yeas and nays. And the names of the persons voting for and against the bill shall be entered on the journal of each house, respectively. If any bill shall not be returned by the president within ten days, Sundays accepted. After it shall have been presented to him, the same shall be a law, in like manner as if he has signed it, unless the Congress by their adjournment prevent his return, in which case it shall not be a law. Every order, resolution, or vote to which the concurrence of the Senate and House of Representatives may be necessary, except on a question of adjournment, shall be presented to the President of the United States, and before the same shall take effect, shall be approved by him or being disapproved by him, shall be repassed by two-thirds of the Senate and House of Representatives according to the rules and limitations prescribed in the case of a bill, end quote. Dang. Bills that generate revenue have to come from the House. Uh, how a bill becomes a law. President can veto. Uh, both houses can override two-thirds. Beautiful. Simple as pie. Section 8 lists the powers of Congress, Ooh, what it can do. Laser eyes. Yep. X-ray vision. <laughs> Quote, the Congress shall have the power to X-ray vision. <laughs> no. Quote, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States, but all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States to borrow money on the credit of the United States. We just dealt with that. To regulate commerce with foreign nations and among the several states and with the Native American tribes to establish a uniform rule of naturalization and uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. To, to coin money, regulate the value thereof in a foreign coin, and fix the standard of weights and measures. To provide for the punishment of counterfeiting the securities and current coin in the United States. To establish post offices and post roads. To promote the progress of science and useful arts by securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive rights to their respective writings and discoveries. So, patents and copyrights. To constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court. To define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas. Pirates? Mm-hmm. And offenses against the law of nations to declare war, grant letters of mark and reprisal, and make rules concerning captures on land and water to raise and support armies. But no appropriation of money to that use shall be longer shall be a longer term than two years. To provide and maintain a navy. To make rules for the government and regulation of the land and naval forces. To provide for calling forth the militia to execute the laws of the union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. 
to provide for organizing, arming, and disciplining the militia and for governing such part of them as may be employed in the service of the United States, reserving to the states respectively the appointment of the officers and the authority of training the militia according to the discipline prescribed by Congress. To exercise exclusive legislation in all cases... I'm almost done. I'm almost done. In all cases whatsoever, over such district not exceeding 10 miles square, as may set by session of particular states and the acceptance of Congress become the seat of the government of the United States and to exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the same shall be for the erection. Say erection? That, that made erection. you perk up. <laughs> Erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings, and to make law laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. End quote. End quote. <laughs> Collect taxes, uh, borrow money, uh, commerce, regulate it. Taxes. Citizenship, coin money. Counterfeit uh, money. Post don't offices. Do that. You know, declare says war. Says something about don't counterfeit our money or whatever. Yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, capital, district. Yeah, yada, yada. You got the gist. Two more sections. Two more. Nowhere near that law, though. Okay. Section 9 puts limits on federal power. Limits. Limits. I like that. Quote, The migration or importation of such persons as any of the states now existing shall think proper to admit shall not be prohibited by the Congress prior to the year 1,808, but a tax or duty may be imposed on such importation not exceeding $10 for each person. End quote. I'll stop there for just the, for just talk about that part. Basically, it's saying we can still get slaves from Africa until 1808. Wow. Yep. After that, we can't take part in the slave trade anymore. We'll still have slavery. No, don't worry. We'll still have slavery. Well, by then, we can just breed our own. That's what they're saying. Yeah, it's like there was some like forlorn hope of people opposed to slavery. Like, okay, well, if we cut off the slave trade at some point, Mm -hmm. slavery will just wither and die. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. <laughs> By this point, there's so many slaves in the United States, it kind of just becomes a perpetual. Exactly. It, it's like a self sustaining thing. Exactly. There's so many. So, that, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, they could have just ended it there. But yeah. Yeah, they could have. I mean, slavery still probably would have been self perpetuating, but at that point, but I mean, uh, thousands of slaves being imported over those 20 years. Right, exactly. Yep. So. Yeah. Not a great part. Um, continuing on, quote, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when in cases of rebellion or invasion the public safety may require it. No bill of attainder or ex post facto law shall be passed. No capitation or other direct tax shall be laid unless in proportion to the census of the enumeration herein before directed to be taken. Nor tax or duty shall be laid on articles exported from any state. No preference shall be given by any regulation of commerce or revenue to the ports of one state over those of another. Nor shall vessels bound to or from one state be obliged to enter, clear, or pay duties in another. Yeah, duty. No money shall be drawn from the treasury, but in consequence of appropriations made by law, and a regular statement and account of receipts and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. No title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office or of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of the Congress, accept any present emolument, office, or title of any kind whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state, end quote. I remember that part from 
We talked about that before. Uh, the articles. That's right, the articles. Oh, they must, they just like copy pasted that. Yeah, one. yeah. There's some. There's definitely some stuff in here that's like straight from the articles. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Basically, if you're a senator, you can't be knighted. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah we, we talked about that. Like, yeah. So they're like, yeah, you can't have. I mean, you're this. You're part of this country now. You can't be yeah. doing. Um, habeas corpus. The only time that was ever suspended was during the Civil War. Um. No ex post facto law. Basically, it means like, let's say murder is legal, and you committed a murder today. Uh-huh. Like, let's say you killed me for reading all that boring shit. <laughs> um, or boring stuff, sorry. <laughs> um, he bleep me out with a with a flute or something. I don't know. <laughs> like a gunshot or, I don't know, some colonial sounding thing. <laughs> um, a flute. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. And <laughs> and then let's say tomorrow that they say, okay, murder is now illegal. Well, you committed a murder when it was legal. They can't come back and try you for murder. Oh. So you can't have, like, any retroactive laws like that. Mm, that makes sense. Um, so, and a lot of it's just relating to money and treasury and imports and crap. I don't care. Trade about. routes? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> and finally, Section 10 puts limits on state power. Ooh. Quote, no state shall enter a tr- into any treaty, alliance, or confederation, grant letters of mark and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credits, make anything but gold and silver coin a tender in payment of debts, pass any bill of attainder, ex post facto law, or law impairing obligation of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay imposts or duties on imports or exports, except what may be absolutely necessary for executing its inspection laws. And the net produce of all duties and imposts laid by any state on imports or exports shall be for the use of the Treasury of the United States, and all such laws shall be subject to the revision and control of the Congress. No state shall, without the consent of Congress, lay any duty of tonnage, keep troops or ships of war in time of peace, enter into any agreement or compact with another state or with a foreign power, or engage in war unless actually invaded or in such imminent danger as will not admit of delay, end quote. Again, that was from the... Yeah, uh, basically all that's from the articles. Yeah, that's like almost, like I said, copy-paste. Yeah, well, because the articles, it's like, this is what the states can't do, this is what the federal government can't do, and that's pretty much it. Right. Yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah. So, so, so it wasn't like everything in the articles was crap. Like, there was some good stuff in there, and the good stuff they kept. Yeah. So. Fair enough. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Article 1. <laughs> article 1. Ooh, only seven. took you, let's see, 25 minutes, I think, to read all that. <laughs> no, I read it fast. Yeah. So, but the rest of them, they're not not too bad. So, um, but yeah, so that's Article 1. Um, you know, like I said, Bedford didn't have much to him, so. Yeah, what's his name, Gunning? Gunning Bedford. Gunning, Gunning. oh, Gunning. Oh, Gunning Bedford. Yeah, so. Uh, sources I use for this, as always, the biographical directory of the Congress. It's always useful. Uh, Dennis Fraden, The Founders, 39 Stories Behind the U.S. Constitution from 2005. Joseph C. Morton, Shapers of the Great Debate at the Constitutional Convention of 1787 from 2006. Robert Wright and Morris McGregor, Soldier Statesman of the Constitution from 1987. And as always, see the pinned tweet on Twitter for the general sources. The podcast I'm going to recommend today 
another Rexy pod called the Alexander Standard. Uh, basically, they go through and rate uh, Alexander the Great and all the successors to Alexander that emerged from his death because his uh, his generals basically tore apart his empire, fighting over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a As lot of you su- do. a lot of successor states, so they're going through all of them. Um, only a f- only a few. I think they've only done like in less than ten. I know that much, um, but if I remember correctly, but pretty solid, uh, pretty good. So. Go give them a listen. So, yep, that's that's what I got. But uh, next time. Next time. Next time. Next episode. Well, it's kind of like two episodes. Mm -hmm. Because our next scheduled episode comes out Mm -hmm. on July the 4th. What's the significance of that? I don't know. Just some day. I don't know. Some random day we got off work for some reason. (laughs) No, yeah. July the 4th. Uh, going a little bit out of order because the normally scheduled person who would be talking about that day did not sign the declaration. I'm like, well, that's that'd be a missed opportunity. So moved up uh, Carter Braxton a Big little Carter. bit. Carter Braxton, signer of the declaration. Sign that declaration. We will be talking about him. But before that, a couple days before that, on July the 2nd, mm-hmm. being a little special episode mm. where we discuss a little bit the Lee Resolution, Ooh. and we do a reading of the Declaration of Independence. Oh, you don't want to tune in for that. Yes. Me and Cody reading the Declaration of Independence. With all the weight and emotion that we can muster. All the fervor and America. spectacularness. Yes. <laughs> I so, tune in. So, so, yeah, so tune in for those. They'll be coming out in a couple weeks. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out my uh, other project, The Drunken Pawn. We're on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other project, We Effed Up. Uh, We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the podcast players you found this on. And also be sure to follow our podcast on Twitter, at ImperfectMenPod. All right, we'll see you guys next time on Imperfect Men. (laughs) 